Good morning. Morning prayer begins on page four of the prayer book. Rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 95 O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and show ourselves glad in him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are all the corners of the earth, and the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands prepared the dry land. O come, let us worship and fall down, and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is the Lord our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works, forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their hearts, for they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. The pointed psalm for this morning Psalm 147, found on page 522. O praise the Lord, for it is a good thing to sing praises unto our God. Yea, and a joyful and pleasant thing it is to be thankful. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem, and gather together the outcasts of Israel. He healeth those that are broken in heart, and giveth medicine to heal their sickness. He telleth the number of the stars, and calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord, and great is his power. Yea, and his wisdom is infinite. The Lord setteth up the meek, and bring the ungodly down to the ground. O sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises upon the harp of our God. Who covereth the heaven with clouds, and prepareth rain for the earth and maketh the grass to grow upon the mountains, and herb for the use of men. Who giveth fodder unto the cattle, and feedeth the young ravens that call upon him. He hath no pleasure in the strength of an horse, neither delighteth he in any man's legs. But the Lord's delight is in them that fear him, and put their trust in his mercy. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Sion. For he hath made fast the bars of thy gates, and hath blessed thy children within thee. He maketh peace in thy borders, and filleth thee with the flower of wheat. He sendeth forth his commandment upon earth, and his word runneth very swiftly. He giveth snow like wool, and scattereth the hoarfrost like ashes. He casteth forth his ice like morsels, 
who is able to abide his frost. He sendeth out his word, and melteth them. He bloweth with his wind, and waters flow. He showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and ordinances unto Israel. He hath not dealt so with any nation, neither have the heathen knowledge of his laws. Here begins the 29th verse of the 12th chapter of the book of Exodus. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he, all his servants, and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Also take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone and bless me also. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. But they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. So the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides children. A mixed multitude went up with them also, and flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night's of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord, a solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout their generations. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat it, but every man's servant who is bought for money. When you have circumcised him, then he may eat it. A sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat it. In one house it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and let them let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as a native of the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat it. One law shall be for the nation, native born and for the stranger who dwells among you. Thus all the children of Israel did, as the Lord commanded, Moses and Aaron, so they did. And it came to pass on that very same day that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, according to their armies. Here ends the first lesson. Benedict says, Blessed art thou, O Lord God of our fathers, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou for the name of thy majesty, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the temple of thy holiness, 
praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths, and dwellest between the cherubim, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou on the glorious throne of thy kingdom, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the firmament of heaven, praised and exalted above all forever. Here begins the 15th verse of the first epistle of St. Paul to the Corinthians. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such, and to everyone who works and labors with us. I am glad about the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus, for what was lacking on your part they supplied. For they refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. The churches of Asia greet you. Achilla and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord, within the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss, the salutation with my own hand, Paul's. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Here ends the second lesson. Gather the Benedictus. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a mighty salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our forefathers and to remember his holy covenant. Perform the oath which he swore to our forefather Abraham that he would give us, that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Give knowledge of salvation unto his people for the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O God, make clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. We beseech the Almighty God, mercifully to look upon thy people, that by thy great goodness they may be governed and preserved evermore, both in body and soul, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, who hatest nothing that thou hast made, and dost forgive the sins of all those who are penitent, create and make in us new and contrite hearts, that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of thee the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, who art the author of peace and lover of concord, and knowledge of whom standeth our eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom, defend us thy humble servants in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in thy defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries, through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings being ordered by thy governance may be righteous in thy sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning. In the Old Testament, we've been in Exodus for the past eight days and are about to take a two-week break. Still, today seems like the perfect day to talk about how God employed Moses to both save and form the nation of Israel. But first, I'm hoping you will indulge me in a brief and uncharacteristic detour into pop culture. No fooling. I'd like to talk about one of my favorite movies, the greatest movie spectacular produced by the greatest Hollywood showman of all time, a man rightly called the founder of Hollywood. The night marks the 50th year since that movie, The Ten Commandments, was first shown on network TV on Easter weekend, 1973. Since then, it's been shown every year on TV during the Passover Easter season, except for 1999, when the network didn't show it and was flooded with complaints. The movie marks the second time that producer Cecil B. DeMille told this story. The Ten Commandments of 1956 was a remake of his first biblical epic, a 1923 silent film of the same name. The movie certainly was a spectacle. It's still one of the top 10 grossing movies of all time with 14,000 extras and 15,000 animals and some scenes filmed on the Sinai Peninsula and Mount Sinai. Its A-list stars included Charlton Heston in his role of a lifetime as the great leader Moses implementing God's will during one of the most important periods of biblical history. In their day, DeMille and Heston, both Episcopalians, were said to have worshiped with other Hollywood stars at what is now our sister Anglican parish, St. Mary of the Angels. As a movie, The Ten Commandments is the biography of Moses, a novelized version of excerpts from the last four books of the Torah. This is a story we know from reading these passages in the daily office throughout the year and every year. Like the life of Moses, the movie can be divided into four parts. The first chapters of Exodus that we began eight days ago, we see Moses in his birth, marriage, and life as a shepherd. 
Next is when he's called to save his people in the first Passover, culminating in today's readings. After today, our, in our daily office, Moses and the Israelites will go on a hiatus for two weeks, as we observe Holy Week and Easter Week. On the Monday after Easter Week, we rejoin the Exodus with the crossing of the Red Sea and the murmuring of the Israelites against Moses in the Sinai Desert. At morning prayer throughout the remainder of Eastertide, we will hear the early part of how Moses and the Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness, a 40-year period of waiting that we acknowledge every day when we say Psalm 95. The movie ends with the final days of Moses from Numbers and Deuteronomy, which we hear every year in the week after Trinity. In considering how Moses did God's will, I want to focus to three, on three aspects of his story. As told in Holy Scripture and later adapted by Hollywood, three, three aspects are spectacle, truth, and walking with God. Spectacle, of course, makes for a compelling movie, but in the days before movies, it both confirmed God's loyalty to his people and also set them apart from the pantheistic um, ancient Near East nations around them. The first spectacle of Exodus consists of 10 plagues, which God promises will be a tool for Moses to soften the heart of the Egyptians. In Exodus 7, an 80-year-old Moses and his older brother Aaron initially confront Pharaoh and turn a rod into a snake. There's no biblical record of what Moses said, but in the movie, Charlton Heston boldly proclaims, let my people go. In our daily office, our lectionary this week skipped over the first nine plagues contained in Exodus 7 through 10. Instead, Thursday, Friday, and today, we heard about the 10th and most deadly plague and the first Passover. The spectacular impact of that first Passover, when the angel of death passed over the Israelites as he takes all the other firstborn humans and animals across Egypt, would have proven to all in Egypt that the God of Israel is the only true and powerful God. It also initiated a liturgy that the Jewish people have continued for more than 3,000 years. As Christians, it provided the starting point both for the Eucharist, initiated by Christ at the Last Supper, and ultimately Christ's atoning sacrifice as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. For the movie, and perhaps the Israelites, an even greater spectacle would likely be crossing the Red Sea on dry land. The empty tomb is more consequential in human history. However, crossing the Dread Sea on dry land and drowning Pharaoh's army would have been a memorable spectacle for the hundreds of thousands who experienced and witnessed it. People of Israel were, at least briefly, relieved to escape both centuries of oppression and also the deadly pursuers that followed them. Meanwhile, this had to be the greatest military defeat Egypt ever suffered, even more than their subsequent defeat by the Israelites in 1967. While it makes great theater, these spectacles had a theological purpose, confirming for the Israelites and those around them that the God of Jacob is the one true God. In announcing the plagues in Exodus, God repeatedly makes this point, saying to the Israelites, you shall know that I am the Lord your God, and then also, the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. But this demonstration of omnipotence and love for his people are not the only truth that God provides to Moses and the Israelites. The last Monday's reading from Exodus, captured by the movie with cutting-edge 1950s special effects, God speaks to Moses from the burning bush to command him to save the Israelites. In this meeting, God gives his name. 
Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Finally, we have God repeatedly instructing Moses on Mount Sinai, first by verbally giving the Ten Commandments, and then twice the stone tablets. Passages we read between the second and fourth Sundays after Easter. Beyond giving the movie its name, these Ten Commandments have provided bedrock moral principles for God's people for more than three millennia. They also brought Moses the name the lawgiver, a point repeatedly made in the New Testament. At the same time, the truth that Moses learned pointed to something greater still. As the first chapter of God's Gospel reports, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. But with this spectacle and enduring truth, we forget perhaps the most important point of all. Moses literally and repeatedly talked with God. As the Erdman's Bible Dictionary says, later figures may be depicted as Moses-like, Joshua, Elijah, Elisha, Josiah, Jesus. Yet Moses remains perhaps a unique phenomenon, not so much by his internal greatness as by his unparalleled intimacy with God. From the record of scripture, no one talked with God and as intimately with God until Jesus came to earth in human form. We even know that the experience was so transformational that the skin of his face shone from the experience and he had to veil his face because this supernatural evidence scared the Israelites. Moses and also Elijah were selected by God the Father at the Transfiguration as the two greatest figures of the Old Testament. Despite that fame, as the Transfiguration made clear, their role was merely to prepare God's people for the true Messiah, Jesus Christ. Thousands of years later, we can read scripture or even watch a movie to understand God demonstrated his power and his love and conveyed his truth to his people during this period in human history. We can even get on a plane and take a tour of Mount Sinai. But the most important takeaway from the story of Moses is that we can and must talk to God in private prayer and wait patiently, perhaps for many years, for his plan for our lives to be revealed to us. We now return to page 18 in the prayer book. O God, the creator and preserver of all mankind, we humbly beseech thee for all sorts and conditions of men, that thou wouldst be pleased to make thy ways known unto them, thy saving health unto all nations. More especially we pray for thy holy church universal, that it may be so guided and governed by thy good spirit, that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth, and hold the faith in unity of spirit, in the bond of peace and in righteousness of life. 
Finally, we commend to thy fatherly goodness all those who are anyways afflicted or distressed in mind, body, or estate. that it may please thee to comfort and relieve them according to their several necessities, giving them patience unto their sufferings and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. And this we beg for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Together the general thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we thine unworthy servants do give thee most humble and hearty thanks for all thy goodness and loving kindness to us and to all men. We bless thee for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for thine inestimable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we beseech thee, give us that due sense of all thy mercies, that our hearts may be unfeignedly thankful, and that we show forth thy praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to thy service, and by walking before thee in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with thee and the Holy Ghost be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. Lord of all power and might, who art the author and giver of all good things, graft in our hearts the love of thy name, increase in us true religion, nourish us with all goodness, and of thy great mercy keep us in the same. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you, as always, to Carl and Britt for making this morning's worship possible. Hope you enjoy the movie. Thank you, Thank you so much, Joel. That was great.